0: amen wow what a way to go into this uh, message that I want to share with you um, we're going to be looking at John chapter 17 uh, and we're going to get into this uh, this passage right here and I love what's going on you know it's a crazy part uh, when, when you study the book of John um, uh, you're looking at uh, 21 chapters and when you finally get to the 21st chapter you see John sharing with us that the reason that he is uh, saying and sharing the things that he is is saying and sharing is simply because we might understand, that we might know, and that we might believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the prophet that is spoken of in the book of Deuteronomy. He is the one that Israel has been waiting for. And this was, uh, this was um, John's whole purpose for writing this book. But here's the crazy part. Jesus's ministry only lasts about three and a half years. And so you've got chapters one through twelve taking up three and a half years. John uses 12, what we know is of 12 chapters to take up three and a half years. And then, and then starting in chapter 13, we move into um, the Last Supper in the upper room. They're celebrating the Passover. And so we move into that. And so then you've got 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 that take place in seven or eight days. It just takes place in such a short period of time. Maybe I could say from 13 to 20, 21 lingers a little bit. But the whole idea is it's such a short period of time, those last nine chapters. And they're very powerful going into Easter. Let me grab a chair here. I want to sit and I want to talk with you uh, about what's going on in chapter um, 17. Because we're coming out of um, chapter 13. Chapter 13, Jesus is in the upper room. He's with his disciples. They're sharing the meal. Um, they've had the whole Passover meal together. Um, Jesus gets up, puts a towel around himself. We're still in chapter 13. He wants to wash everybody's feet. Peter has an absolute conniption. Don't know, Master, you can't wash my feet. No no, 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 no. And then, you know, kind of Jesus does that whole, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with us. And he's like, okay, okay, then wash all of me. And he he says, Peter, you've had a bath. You don't need me to give you a bath. You just need to be cleaned. And so um, we go through that. The next thing that happens is he begins to talk about somebody's going to betray him. And of course, everybody's like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And uh, in that process, um, we find out Jesus dips, in John's um, gospel, dips the bread in the, um, the cup and then gives it to a Judas and says, hey, you know, what you're going to do, do quickly, um, however he words that out there for you in biblical John. But uh, we, we kind of, looking back, get to see who it really was and what's going on. So here's the deal we're in chapter 13 and we're experiencing the Passover meal. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But what they're celebrating is the 10th plague. You say, no, they're not celebrating the plague. Theologically, I get it. I get it. But understand that what's going on is, when, Egypt, when Israel was getting led, or was about to be led out of Egypt, God sent 10 plagues, and the last and the final plague was the death angel came and killed the firstborn. The firstborn of every family, firstborn calf, firstborn sheep, ram, goat, firstborn. Killed all the firstborns unless you had the blood of the lamb and there's a whole process for the Jewish people to understand what was going on. You had to bring um, your, your lamb in. I think it's on the 10th day. And then on the 14th day, you slaughtered it. So the lamb was in there for three and a half days, not four whole days, but three and a half days. I believe is what it is. And then isn't that interesting? Abraham took Isaac up onto the mountain, and they were three days to the journey, and halfway through the next day, you know, that's going on. And then we've got Jesus in three and a half years of ministry, and each one of them has a lamb in the story, uh, a sheep in the story. It's absolutely amazing. But Jesus is with his disciples, and he's celebrating the meal that reminds the people that they were passed over Passover by the death angel, but it was the plague of the firstborn, the plague that finally got them kicked out of Egypt um, and, and sent them into the promised land or on the journey at least. It was another 40 uh, years before that took place, but there it was. So, and get your mindset. Jesus is with the disciples, they've experienced that celebration with all of its elements, and it's, it's very scripted um, from the Old Testament. And then Jesus washes his disciples' feet. I don't think that part's scripted. And then I love the part when we get to John chapter 17. And and remember, we're still there. He's not been arrested. He's not gone out to Gethsemane. Um, It would appear that he's at least up on the roof. I'll tell you why in a second. But there's a lot going on in this story. A lot of things are happening. And I want you to see that as Jesus is facing the toughest day, night of his life, This is where he goes after he gets to have the Last Supper with his friends. So I want to share that with you in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, it says, after Jesus said this, he's talked to his disciples, he sent Judas out. After he said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed. Jesus turns the Last Supper into a prayer meeting before he goes into the garden. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given to him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So the first thing he does is he prays for himself. The NIV lists this as Jesus prays to be glorified. Don't understand that he prayed that all the lights would be on him and this, this, this. Pray, I mean, understand his prayer is bring me home and put me back on the throne that I left when I came down here to save these people. Glorify me. Put me back in my place of authority that belongs to me rightfully, Father. Bring me home. And so he's praying this, and he talks about God. The next thing he does is he prays for his disciples. He says, I have revealed, I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those that you have given me, for they are yours all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. Jesus is expressing that the glory that he received on this earth came eventually as a result through the disciples that God gave him. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. as you have sent me into the world i have sent them into the world for them i sanctify them excuse me for them i sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified so we've gone for jesus praying for himself Lord, see me through this so that I can come back home and be glorified in my rightful place. And then he says, Lord, I want to pray for my disciples, the one that you, you gave to me. They were yours before you gave them to me. But, but Lord, you gave them to me, and I poured into them for three and a half years. And for three and a half years, they heard the words that you gave me that I gave them. And now, Lord, I'm going to send them into the world to do the same thing. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, now protect them. And I love where he goes next because the next thing Jesus does is he prays for us. Now remember, Jesus has just finished the last supper. He has just finished the Passover meal and he is, as a matter of fact, still there with his disciples in the proximity of the upper room, whatever that looks like. He's still there with them. He has not gone to the garden yet, in my understanding. And so the next thing he does is he prays for you and I. And I love that. My prayer is not for them alone. So God, glorify me. God, I'm praying for my disciples. Lord, Father, my prayer is not for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. We have that message bound between the covers of what we call the Holy Bible. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, that I myself may be in them. So you see this picture as Jesus is facing this day. What he ends up doing is he ends up praying. He ends up praying, God, I will now receive and give and surrender myself to the final act of this drama of redemption. And as I'm doing that, God, I want to pray for these disciples and I want to ask and pray that you protect and be with them and let their words go out and let it be powerful. But I don't pray just for them. I'm going to pray for everybody that comes after them. And Jesus goes on to say that he's going to continue to lead us. He's going to continue to pour into us. He's going to continue to walk with us. He's going to continue to make sure that the world knows That Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, because of the way we as Christian people 2,000 years later live out our expression of a relationship that we receive that's grounded in the truth of the message of the disciples that's, that's bound in what we call our Bible. They left a message for us. So I was thinking about Easter. I was thinking about Good Friday. I was thinking about the passion of the Christ. I was thinking about all of the things that you and I understand took place. And sure, I could have sat up here and said, you know what, let's just walk through what happens when they drove the nails through his hands or his wrist, however you see that. Um, let's talk about when they lifted the cross up and it sunk down into the hole or when they lifted the cross beam up and it settled on the vertical beam and it jerked his body. Let's talk about what it meant for for him, according to Isaiah, to be beaten beyond the image of even being human anymore. Let's talk about the fact that he had a hard time carrying his cross and finally somebody else had to step in and carry it for him. Let's talk about what it meant for him. We could have talked about all of that. But as we think about Good Friday and as Jesus understood that's exactly where he was headed, I want to talk about the fact that how do we face the things that seem absolutely too insurmountable for us. What's our Good Friday? What are we looking down the barrel of? You know, it's kind of crazy. (laughs) I had a gun one time, and I was trying to shoot a varmint that was robbing my pigeons. And I had to sight down the barrel and kind of look off the scope a little bit. When I pulled the trigger, scope came back and gave me four stitches. Cut my eye right open just like that. I thought I'd been hit by a sledgehammer. But I remember looking down that barrel thinking, I can't use the scope. The varmint's too close. But sometimes we're looking down the scope of something that's about to come at us and leave us with stitches. And Jesus was looking down the barrel of your and my salvation. He was looking down the wrath of God that was about to be poured out on him. He who had no sin became sin for you and I. And it's, it's amazing to me as I was thinking about this and looking at how the book of John was broken up, that when Jesus had finished his last supper, that's a last meal basically, um, that he's going to eat with all of his disciples together in his ministry. He's going to have a fish fry with them later. But it, it, he's looking at this and what he wants to do is he wants to spend some time praying for himself to get through the next couple of hours. His disciples to carry on the mission. It's so easy to get distracted from the mission with something like a plague, isn't it? And then finally he prayed for you and I that we would be focused, that we would keep learning, that he would keep reminding us God has not stopped speaking just because the Bible has a period at the end doesn't mean that a living God has stopped interacting with his children. He wants to be with us. And I want to I want to just say to you, if you are facing down something huge, we're facing this, this, this virus in 2020. And to some of you, it is huge. And I'm just telling you that we're facing it down. It is time to go to God in prayer and stop and be very linear about our prayer. Let's be mindful of what God has done in our lives, what he's brought us to and where he's taking us because that's what Jesus said. Let's be mindful of the people that we're supposed to be pouring into that we have discipled, that we have uh, called and invited to church and seen surrender their lives to Jesus. And let's begin to to pray for them even as we're facing these giant things in our lives. And then finally, let's, let's just come in here and let's just pray for those that will come because of the testimony of the fact that we were on this planet even if the trumpet blows and we go home, we've left our mark on this earth in a good, good, good way. In a good way. When Jesus was facing something absolutely horrible, what he wanted to do was he wanted to go to his father. He's facing the toughest day of his life, and it's going to start this night. And when that is, he's, we're looking at the Last Supper, betrayal, crucifixion. We are looking at pain like you and I don't understand. And, and the second thing I share with you is his answer is, Pray. You know, so many times we think that that's just a, okay, well, you know, listen, we better hurry up and pray because this is getting bad. No, no, no. Pray before it starts getting bad. Pray on a regular basis. Fast and pray. Go without. Focus. Turn things off. Pray for more than just a couple of minutes. Pray and then listen and write down what you feel like your heart is hearing and then pray some more. Learn something different about prayer. Jesus found the strength to face the cross by going to his Father in prayer. Inviting his friends, that's the third thing I want to share with you, is inviting his friends to pray with him. Are you going through an anxious time? You know, everything in our lives is not about this virus. There's jobs we need to be praying about our jobs. There's, there's relationships. We need to be praying about our relationships. There's the mission work of being a part of the kingdom of God. And we need to be praying for opportunities and actually stepping up and taking them ourselves, asking God to change us. When Jesus was headed for the cross, he, he knew and he wanted to pray. He knew and he wanted his friends around him. And he found that time to pray. And he found, by putting his trust in God, peace. He just needed to lay hold of peace. That's all he needed to do. And so as he laid hold of this peace, he gives it to you and I, reminding you and I that Jesus faced the day like we probably won't, like maybe we feel like we are. But he went to God. He went to his friends. He gathered together, and he found the peace, and he trusted in God to get him through it. Listen, We're going to get through these next days. Beyond that, we need to be praying for you, for your health. We need to be praying for for your relationships, for your marriage, for your children, for people struggling in addiction. Goodness knows we need to be praying for people that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They don't even understand what Good Friday is and how terrible of a thing it is. We need to pray and thank God for what he went through for us so that we can embrace Easter. Jesus found peace. Are you facing a tomorrow? Are you facing a time where you need the peace of God? That's Good Friday. Jesus found peace for his circumstances, and I think that's where we should find it as well. As you and I gather together, one of the things that took place while Jesus was in the upper room is something that he gave to us. And uh, he, he gave us this, this ordination, this last supper, this communion, this the Lord's Supper, whatever it is you might know it as. And the scripture will, will record that what he did is while they were eating, he took bread and he broke it. And he took this bread and he broke it, and he broke a piece off, and he said, this is my body, take and eat. And by doing that, we begin to participate, not physically because we haven't been beaten, but more so we participate in the fact that we believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for our sins. And so he said, take this bread, take this body, take and eat. This is for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus was willing to be the sacrifice. When he broke the bread, his body was broken for the atonement for our sins. And there's two parts to communion here. The one part is the body. The other part is the blood. See, there's life for us inside the blood. So he takes the bread, breaks it, passes it all around. People are breaking pieces off. Most likely it's unleavened bread because of the Passover meal and how that was all scripted out. And they take and they break off a piece of this wafer and they eat it. I don't know if he made them all get a piece and then wait and then did it together. You know how we do sometimes. But, but that's what he did he broke it. And when Jesus' body was beaten and broken for you and I, the penalty for sin that came from Adam and Eve was paid in full. There's no more debt. The interest has stopped. All we have to do is surrender to it, that Jesus paid that price. I love the part that happened next. He took up the cup, probably a communal cup. I think they probably shared it all around, but it had wine in it. And yes, I do believe it was not grape juice. It was wine. And he took that cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood. And in the blood is the life. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So my blood the forgiveness through the body, the pouring out of it. But this blood is the cup of the new covenant. And this new covenant says, I am a member of the family of God Almighty. I've been adopted back in. So when we take these elements, this is what we're doing. There's a big supper. It was lively, I'm sure. There was things going on. But it came to a place where Jesus said, stop for a second. I want to talk to you guys. And he broke that bread. And that's what we're about to do. So this is what I want you to do. Let me step around behind here. I'm going to use um, crackers for the sake of it all. But even whatever it is that you're using, I would encourage you to kind of get your your elements around, okay? Get your bread um, um, or your crackers. um, Get your grape juice, okay? And I'm suggesting that you use grape juice, all right? Get your cup or your cups. Get everybody in a big circle, and let's just remember for just a second before we take and before we eat, but let's just take this up and it's very important that what we're going to do is we're going to take this and we're going to break it. Because it's not just important that we eat it. It's important that we break it because that's what Jesus did. He broke it. And he said, "This is my body broken for you." And so we want to remember that. So, Give everybody a piece, give everybody a piece, or break them off, break them off. And I would encourage you to do this. This is what I do when we get to celebrate together, okay? You take, if you're the leader, take and break it off and give it to them. And as you give it to them, say, God bless you. Speak a blessing on them. Say, God bless you. Call them by name. They're your friends, they're your family. God bless you, John. God bless you, James. God bless you, Megan. God bless you, Julia. God bless you, Jesse. God bless you, Ryan. God bless you, TJ. God bless you, Joseph. God bless you, Kelsey. God bless you, Janice. Give them a piece, And hold it for just a second, and then let's just pray. You say your prayer. I'm going to pray for us, but you, listen, it's important. You say your prayer. Make this a sacred moment. Say your prayer. This is your prayer. God who is God in heaven. I bow my head in awe and I bow my head in thanksgiving, Lord. Because you, Jesus, are my Lord. That your body was broken for me is too, too much for me to fathom, too much for me to contemplate. But I receive this broken bread, God, as your body broken for me. It's a reminder, Lord. It's a reminder And as often as we do this, Paul said, it's a reminder. As often as we gather together, it's a reminder, Jesus, you said. So we take and we eat this, your body. Amen. It's okay if children giggle. It's okay if it doesn't feel like there's candlelight and, oh, that's okay. It's still communion, and it's your friends and family. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to take our juice, and I don't know what kind of juice or drink that you've got. It's important. It just so happens that grape juice or wine represents the blood of Jesus, and it has. And so we're going to pour it into our cup. And you can pour as much or as little as you want. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a big fan of those little itty-bitty tiny plastic things that puts it in there. It's like, this is the blood of Jesus that, that makes me a member of the family of God. His body was broken. The penalty was paid. His blood fell out. The debt is gone from me. It's like, I'm drinking the whole bottle down. It's like, give me the cup, Lord. Not because I'm more holy, but I just want it all. I want everything that God's got for me and so we take this cup and we say this cup is the cup of the new covenant it is the blood of Christ shed for you and I and you and I because it's a new covenant 613 commandments put beside and now those of us that call ourselves Christians there's two commandments two love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second one is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a hard thing sometimes, but we're called to it. And that's what we're signing up for. Those are the two commandments. So we remember the blood of Jesus poured out upon the ground for you and I that we might be forgiven and adopted in. So we take this cup and we drink knowing that his his pain brought us salvation. Let's pray. Father who is God in heaven we come before you and we recognize your word Father that says the blood of of bulls and goats could never take away the sins of man and so we have a better sacrifice according to the writer of the book of Hebrews Jesus Christ our Lord who not only paid the accruing interest but in that moment God on Calvary paid the debt I am free he Who knew no sin took my sin so that I who know no righteousness might be the righteousness of God with him living inside of me. And so it's with that that we thank you for this new covenant, for this blood, and for this love. Hear us, O Lord God, as we come before you as a congregation, as a community, as a people in central Kentucky, as friends and family even further out than that. From around the world, Bless us as we gather together, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak against this virus. We come before you, Lord, and we we admit that we are sinners, except that Jesus Christ made us brothers and sisters and children of the Most High God. And it is for this that we gather together to remember what Christ did for us on Calvary, that we might celebrate and say thank you as we look forward to Easter Sunday morning. And we release this all upon those listening, both near and far. In Jesus' blessed and holy name, amen. Well, team, Easter's coming. It's two days away. We're looking forward to getting together by not getting together. And I want to encourage you in this. Let's make Easter special. Let's do it. Let's decide on Easter Sunday morning that we're going to get up We're gonna shower up. We're gonna shave up. We're gonna do our hair up. We're gonna dress up. We're gonna get pretty and family groups and friend groups that are allowed to be together. We're gonna get together and we are not going to let Easter go by unchecked, unnoticed, and uncelebrated. But we're going to take time to jump up and down and sing up from the grave he arose. We're going to take time to pray together as family and friends and celebrate that while this church building may be empty on Easter Sunday morning, so was the tomb. Because he's not here. He's risen just as he said. God bless you and go in peace.